0: Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 47, Episode 13 of SNL with host John Mullaney and musical guest LCD Sound System. I'm John Murray, and I'm joined this week by fellow Canadian truck protest holdovers, Steve Finn, and first-time panelist Casey Lyons. If you'd like to connect with Casey, you can find him on Instagram, at Casey, with an E, Lyons, with a Y, S-Y-N-W. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us exclusively on Truth Social at SNL Podcast. Enjoy these selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you'd like to watch our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, you can find it exclusively at patreon.com forward slash SNL Podcast. It's our supporters that make this show possible. We are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, enjoy. Enjoy. Steve Finn, as I live and breathe, John Murray, look at you, it has been uh, way too long.
1: It has been, it's great to see you. And it looks like you're back in your natural habitat.
0: I am. Well, I've been home for a while. It got pretty cold out there in the forest. So (laughs) uh, I'm back in my home studio slash garage. If only you could see what is behind that backdrop. Uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm here for the next few months Then I'm going to be heading up to your neck of the woods. But that's a conversation for another time. Um, What I really want to know is, uh, who's this uh, bloke that uh, you brought along to chat SNL?
1: Oh, I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, This is my good friend, Casey Lyons, who I miss dearly. Hello. Hello, Hello, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) Hello,
2: you lovely man. It's uh, it's an honor to be here.
1: Yes, man. It's great to see you. Uh, I know Casey from back in Toronto, Uh, you know, uh, when I lived there. Casey and I, we uh, played in some bands. We were we were musicians, and uh, yeah, we were kind of on the same circuit. And Casey, you know, I always loved running into you and seeing you because, like, at that time in my life, I had no friends that were into SNL at all. So I'd be like, oh, finally, Casey is a mega fan like me. And so I would always just, like, run to him whenever we'd be, like, at Rancho Relaxo where Casey used to serve me drinks and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know. I'd be like, man, what'd you think of this? What do you think of Leslie Jones? And, you know, this is, you know, this was at the time when we were hanging out like that era. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't think I've had more
2: conversations. I don't think I've had more conversations about Leslie Jones with anyone than I have with you. Uh, um, that she, she was one who, oh my God, she fully won me over.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, you have a, uh, a career trajectory that has taken you through some, uh, some comedy circuits in Toronto, uh, Why don't you give us some of your more recent creds on the, on the comedy scene?
2: Uh, Oh Lord. Well, I've been out of, uh, the comedy scene in any sort of meaningful way beyond my, my day job, which is working for the second city, which is, I guess, very fully entrenched in, uh, in comedy. Uh, but the last thing I (laughs) do, that's
0: not nothing. No, (laughs) It's it's, it's
2: definitely something. Um, but I guess the last thing I did creatively uh, was I wrote a piece of music for um, Mark Forward. He was uh, uh, he's doing a, a I can't even remember. It's a spot on a show. It's upcoming, but uh, I wish I had more. I wish I was better at plugging. But uh, yeah, that's sort of the last <laughs> thing I've been doing creatively or anywhere near the uh, comedy scene.
0: OK, now I want to I want to fill the audience in on a little bit of backstory here because it's it's very fortuitous that that this is happening tonight um i've known steve for a while obviously because he's been a mainstay on the show since the beginning so we've been doing this for over five years um but i crossed paths with you casey on a totally different project unrelated to this i had no idea that you had any affiliation with steve and it was just um when i was looking up your your info uh to make some show notes or something for the other project that you and i were involved in that i noticed that you were friends with steve on facebook and I thought, right. well, you know, that's, you know, that's just the most random thing ever. So I asked Stephen, he's like, yeah, I was totally going to do an SNL podcast with that dude before you asked me. And I thought, <laughs> isn't that just the the weirdest thing? They say Canada's <laughs> a small place. And I, I feel like we are living up to that reputation. And, uh, I think, I think it's going to be fun. This is, there's going to be an appropriate level of Canadian representation. Uh, it's a bit of a dude fest, but I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> sooner or later, Catherine can come back and uh, take the reins again. But for tonight, we're going to do it old school. We're going to do it our way. And uh, I'm really just looking forward to breaking down what I I think was a pretty fun episode to not give away the ending. And um, I'm ready to jump in, but there's one thing that we have to take care of before we get into the episode proper we have to establish your snl cred so i'm going to ask you a couple very lightweight snl questions and as long as you don't totally wet the bed on them we'll we'll proceed with the episode review so uh first off your era when did you start watching snl like what got you into it what is your snl origin story
2: uh my snl origin story i guess i really started paying attention um around 89 probably Uh, my, it's funny, my cast, who my cast is really, really changes. Like, I mean, my, my first cast, you know, um, Dana Carvey, uh, uh, Kevin Nealon, this is just when, when Dana Carvey was right new. So, you know, uh, Kevin Nealon, Mm -hmm. um, John Lovitz, it was, uh, going into the really super inspired, uh, era of, um, of SNL. So that was when I jumped on board and I was young enough to be, I mean, Dana Carvey was like, Oh, I'll just go ahead and be him for the rest of my life. That's, that's my, <laughs> my ultimate goal. Uh, and, but then, you know, you, you go on and Mike Myers shows up and, and then you get into like the Sandler years and stuff like that. But that's, I, I think in my heart, it's Jan Hooks and, and like Nora Dunn and, and Lovitz and, and Dana Carvey and, uh, Neil and them.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. You go, you go back quite a ways. Yeah. We've got your era, but who are your luminaries? Like who are the, the touchstone, the, like the top three players in all of SNL history that you think define the show for you and are like your go-to people.
2: Top three is cruel. Uh, but, uh, (laughs) it it absolutely (laughs) is. Um, but uh, of course I, I go, uh, Dana Carvey. Um, hell this might actually be easier than I thought. Uh, yeah, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, and God, I want to say Farley. I really, I'll go say, I'll go ahead and say Farley.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's respectable. That's respectable. Last question. We've got your era. We've got your luminaries. But if you were going to be objective, what would you say is the the best, most quintessential, just the the peak of SNL, uh, era wise, like a, a run of seasons when the show was at its best.
2: Has there ever been a <laughs> run of seasons where it was at its best? Uh, uh yeah, I, I mean, I want to say consistently f- from, because, you know, at, at the beginning of the Carvey, Neilan kind of era, they were just shaking off the, the, tra- the grossness that was the eighties. Right. Um, right, right. So, so they're 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 fresh and they're new, and they go from like it's a star-making machine at this point, right? Like so, and that the definition of what Saturday Night Live is, I think, is uh, uh, exemplified perfectly between like eighty-nine and about ninety-three.
0: When okay. when was the right around when Dana Carvey time? left? Yeah. kind of well like that. about 95 is when it, it really really kind of tanked and was you know there's a lot of drama around the show
2: went, and that was when yeah that was when it might as well have been like the 80s again it was uh just kind of corporate yeah, yeah. and
0: gross <laughs> yeah yeah it def- definitely goes in waves absolutely okay so steve uh what do we think uh can we can we roll on here has casey passed the test
1: i think he yes he gets a passing letter grade that we will keep confidential Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> will I uh, yes, yes. And there will be a refresher exam in six months. So right. uh, we're good for that amount of time. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think we are good to roll on here before we jump into the show proper though. I just want to give a shout out to one of our newest patrons, Amanda Mills from Bellingham, Washington. Uh, obviously we love our patrons. The show wouldn't exist without them. And anytime someone's willing to chip in, I, I want to do everything I can to give them an attaboy. And so thank you, Amanda Mills. And with that said, you guys ready to roll into the show? Let's take a look at the monologue. John Mullaney turned an innocent man into a drug dealer. Okay, Casey, <laughs> uh, a little bit of fresh stand up from John Mulaney after a tumultuous year. Uh, what'd you think of this?
2: I I am uh, an absolute sucker for John Mullaney's stand up. He is a genius at the craft, and this was. And I've I've heard him deliver uh, sets that I liked less than other sets, where I was like, "He sounds overworked," and I'm just being an insufferable gatekeeper about it, honestly. <laughs> but uh, because he's always funny. <laughs> Uh, and, but tonight or, or last night, man, it, it, it felt like a bit of a return to form. It felt like there was, uh, the energy that I remember seeing, uh, or, or you know, hearing in New in town. And, uh, uh, I, I, I loved it. I thought it was, it, it hit all the right notes. It hit all the, it, it answered all the questions that needed to be answered. And it said, I'm not going to answer some other questions that I don't want to answer,
0: <laughs> which is nice. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's a pretty good take on it. What do you think, Steve? Uh, how did this land for you?
1: Uh, landed pretty well, and I th- uh, I found I think what Casey was alluding to uh, I found this interesting about it is you know what he was willing to uh, reflect from his personal life in this uh, new era of his career post rehab,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and what he chose to kind of skip past, uh, you know without much mentioning of his uh divorce for example we simply get a reference to my girlfriend just had a baby yeah. we get we we kind of cut to that chase uh so yeah i mean i know that he has been doing material on his uh intervention uh some of this stuff he's been working on in the late night circuits for uh for the past recent while and uh yeah as far as it goes it was Yeah, classic Mulaney, but also uh, very different in the sense that his personal life looks very much different. And when you're a comedian that draws so much from your personal life for uh, for your material, uh, you know, (laughs) that's a big rocking of the boat, if you will. Mm -hmm. So for him to go out there and did what he did in an attempt to rebuild it uh, to, you know, view his his life through this new lens, I think it was pretty successful, and I loved it. That that story that he told about the the person he turned into a drug dealer is such a John <laughs> Mulaney way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I expect from him. The kind of quality, at least. Yep. Yeah. So, needless to say, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that was the moment where I said, "Oh, yeah." There it is. You know that's that's the caliber of uh, taking his anecdote, distilling it down into a clever notion, and just delivering it with gusto. Like that was the moment where I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is this is Mulaney uh, in in not not rare form. This is uh, Mulaney in good form." Like I, the big question that I had going into this is, you know, you have a heck of a year. Are you just kind of like? learning to walk again or have you already kind of got up to speed and I think he walked out and didn't miss a beat and delivered flawless material that was on par with everything we've seen from him uh previously and like you said Casey it didn't seem like he was just sort of like burnt out and uh you know phoning it in like there was nothing about that he he had a good energy and he was communicating the idea that like look guys I'm in a better place you know that's that's all we really need to take away from this is um Anyone that loves SNL and and loves John Mulaney knows that he's had some some uh, some drama the last year or so, and so I think a lot of people just wanted to know is is he looking healthy? Is he looking energized? Does it look like he's on an upswing in life? And uh, I bought into it. I felt like he was, and that that just gave me the confidence that okay, good, great. We didn't we didn't lose anything with John Mulaney. Like we're never gonna get old John Mulaney back. He's you know he's found his footing. This is great. We're, we're going to be in for a good show. Uh, it said all that to me. That's what I wanted to see. And, you know, as always, just happy to see anyone that's been through some adversity regain their footing. We, I'm sure everybody knows someone with uh, addiction issues in their life, and you're always rooting for them. And when you get a victory like that and you, you see someone that's on an upswing, you gotta you just got to be happy. So I was
1: happy. I all right. All right.
0: Moving right along. Our first live sketch of the night. Tango, the monkey judge presides over a monkey attack trial. (laughs) All right, Casey, as someone who uh, cut their teeth in the era of unfrozen caveman lawyer, I'm going to let you uh, break this one down.
2: And obviously that is, that's very much the, uh, like the touch point that comes to mind, like from the costuming Mm -hmm. on down. Uh, And, and like, he, he, he really does borrow so much from Phil Hartman for this, because the thing that makes this successful and damn it this was successful uh, uh, for me um the thing that makes it successful is his ability to skirt the line between being a no-nonsense judge uh, and and using like a, a very like a, a very no nonsense cadence, but also saying monkey things saying monkey things. <laughs> Uh, in a monkey way, but still maintaining that authority in his voice, it's beautiful. It's beautifully <laughs> performed comedy. Yeah. It was a great yeah.
0: example of it. That's yeah, yeah, fantastic. How about you, Steve? What's your takeaway?
1: Yeah, it's a uh, a brilliant sketch, and yeah, uh, I don't take any points away from it for being so comparable to the Phil Hartman character. Uh, yes, it's it's quite similar in the sense that. You're taking, you know, the sophistication and the very deliberate language used in the courtroom, uh, and having this monkey character acknowledge and, uh, you know, actually speak about his own uh, feral ways. <laughs> yes. It's it's brilliant. You know, he. It's just a, an impossibility that can only exist in a fictional sketch that asks you not to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, it's just uh brilliant. And and the fact that they use these props in the way and the the very randomness of the uh you know the uh the paper, the shredded paper and the cake going on it, it's all very <laughs> it's all very like subtly chaotic, just like it is dealing with a monkey and, and trying to I guess socialize with it. Yeah. Uh yeah. And and it just kept on going. Uh Cecily entering the mix was a perfect way to just switch the gear and and keep this uh truck on the road. Uh so from start to finish it was pretty fun to watch. And uh I I see this on a uh a futurey watch if I care to just fast forward through to see, you know, my favorites of the night. This is one I'll stop for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no this was a a thing of beauty. I'm going to let our audience in on a little secret. Um I have been on a Um, a break with SNL (laughs) since the new year. Um, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's I I I think it's worth mentioning because um I feel like after doing this podcast for five years and just being so steeped in SNL and watching every episode multiple times in preparation, like at, at a certain point, you feel like you've said everything you can say about SNL and you've seen every trick SNL has to pull and between that and just where culture's at. And just like I had mentioned earlier, just how kind of burnt out I, I was feeling with everything. I just, I felt like I just need to step back. And because Catherine's uh, steering the ship now, I can actually do that. I can take a little break when I need to recharge my batteries, but I turn on this episode and I see the sketch and I say, is this what I've been missing all all season? Like, is this the caliber of work they're doing? Because this is genuinely a perfect sketch. The specificity, the, The truisms about monkey nature and how casually he communicates that. Um, you know, how just like Unfrozen Caveman lawyer, he's he's beholden to his his primate nature. He can't escape that. You know, he's he's enslaved to being a monkey. And that's Um, what I
2: thought was that's what I thought was different about this is that he wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to deny his nature. He was his nature was fully on display. He was he's displaying ownership over the case. Yes. This is mine now. (laughs) <laughs> this is mine now. Uh, yes, he's, he's not trying to deny it. He's he's he just simply is a monkey. Right. who's also a judge.
0: He's so at ease with who he is as the monkey judge. Um But again, that that sophisticated, <laughs> eloquent delivery of these very prime primal instincts that he has. Um the, the genius in that and the the caliber of the writing to bring out those specific notes, the things that we kind of all know about monkey nature, but to just have them rapid fire through his dialogue, the way that it did and just exploring it as competently as they did and having John Mulaney with just kind of his a little bit smug, self-assured delivery was just so tonally right for this character that at the end of it, I said, oh, well damn snl like okay i didn't think you were going to surprise me tonight but you you hit the ground running with this one and darn it all if if i wasn't absolutely won over and and in love with this piece so uh high marks for me i i think this was a great way to kick off the night
1: couldn't agree more. we're gonna have some head nods (laughs) and uh we'll
0: we'll cap it there because we still got a lot of show to run through here so let's uh get into this uh obligatory musical extravaganza a naive, churro craving New Yorker gets a whimsical musical wake up call from the denizens of the subway. Casey, theatrics, sets, New York inside jokes. This is what we expect from Mulaney. Did you want a fifth outing? Uh
2: yes and no, I guess. Did I want one? No, because that like I don't find myself laughing at these anymore. Uh, I-, I laughed at the spectacle of the first one. The first one is very, uh, uh, very beautifully executed, uh, uh, and and honestly, that this kind of benefits from the same kind of inside joke. Like, yeah, we're SNL. We do big, bloated things, and we make you sit through them <laughs> for ten minutes. Uh, and part of that part of that is why it's so funny, and and the fact that they can spend so much money on a sketch like this that that on its face it's like <laughs> cut it out, stop <laughs> doing the sketch, it's over, uh it is part of what what makes me just uh enjoy it so much to you know to see the next little set piece that they card out and go see. we didn't need to do this, but uh, mm-hmm. uh that's that's definitely part of the charm,
1: yeah, Steve, hot tape uh, <laughs> well, the uh <sighs> The the, the posts has just kept moving. Uh every time they do one of these, you know, after the first one, we're asking the next time he hosts, will we see another version of this? And then we saw that, and then we got to the trilogy and we're like, are we gonna cut it off there, call it three, and then you know, a fourth and a fifth, and now at this point it would be weird not to do one almost, and if they're starting to show their age and becoming a little bit stale. <laughs> And you're in a position where like people expect you to do another one. Uh, I I don't think you can win in that scenario. Every uh, you either awkwardly bow out or you deliver something that's going to make you say, Oh, I like diner lobster better. Uh, So yeah, we're, if we're not already there, you know, we've at least been moving towards that. And uh, it's always going to be a great source of, sets and costumes and uh you know showcasing the vocal talents of our cast uh so it's always going to have things to enjoy uh i guess you know new york is a a big place so there's going to be a lot of things to uh pick apart and uh you know uh explore the minutiae of weird uniquely new york things
0: yeah uh snl does paint itself into a corner sometimes when they allow themselves to set expectations that fulfill fan expectations. But at a certain point, if the creative well is running dry, are you creating the best content you could by forcing yourself to have to revisit what's come before and stick with tradition? Uh, It's always tricky, but SNL wouldn't be SNL if they didn't drive recurring sketches into the ground like that. (laughs) That is kind of SNL's thing in, in so many ways. And it is part of the charm. People do tune in because they're hoping they're going to get another outing with that, you know, whatever it is that catches the cultural zeitgeist that people are talking about. They want to know if they're going to do it again the next week and that gets people to tune in. So if they didn't do it and if they didn't give people water cooler talk, it wouldn't SNL is not doing its job. So I'm I'm of two minds because I feel like there's value in, in having, um, like traditions that certain hosts go back to when they come. And and we've seen that like with Justin Timberlake, you know, he, he'll, he'll have another outing with the lonely Island and, and they'll do like another mother lovers or whatever. Like they'll do a run of those um, or other friends of the show hosts. They'll revisit what was a big hit from their previous outing. So this is the show's DNA. They have to do it. But at the same time, I wish they'd never done the second one. I was happy that the second one held the bar high production wise and that, you know, they still found fun, fresh musical things to goof on. Um, I like the sketch for the the production value of it and the just the ambitiousness of it. But in hindsight, I wish they hadn't done it and just kind of pulled the bandaid off with Mulaney's second time hosting and said, no, Mulaney is such a wealth of creative ideas and we can have so much fun with this guy we're not going to just do the same thing over for fan service. We're going to give you something fresh. Uh, I wish that that was the decision that had been made back then because it wasn't now it's inevit- inevitable. And so now all I'm doing is looking at it and saying, okay, are they keeping the bar high? Are they, are they like lyrically, are they mining show tunes for something fun and, and uh, amusing to me? And I feel like it ticked all the boxes that these have to tick. It just in my mind, I just don't think it needs to exist. Uh, that said, they did Skid Row from Little Shop, which is one of my favorite musicals of all time. And so, uh, you know, I, I gotta say, you know, I was grinning and, and just really, really jazzed with some of their choices on this one. And you know, eighty as Subway Jesus, yeah. there, there's, <laughs> there, there, there's still so much good stuff that they find that it, it's hard to be too sour on it. Right, oh, yeah. uh, and Melaney's
2: saying, "Can you even do South Pacific anymore?"
0: Right. I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's it's now turning inward a little bit too in some regards. So, um. I want something fresh from Mulaney. He did his five timer stint. If ever they had another, another opportunity to put it to bed, this would be it, right? Like let's cap it here. We did our first five. He's got like a whole other year or two to figure out something else from the vault that he wants to bring back. Let's, let's do something new next time. This one I'm okay with, I guess that's where I'll
2: Tom Hanks doesn't do Mr. Short-term memory anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But there's just as many cases where we could show them going back to recurring characters way more times than is necessary. So, oh, well, it's uh, become, you know, it it's become
2: that's the second life of a sketch now is when it's been done so many times that when it comes on, you groan and go, "Oh, right, God, we're <laughs> yeah. doing this again. Yeah, like, yeah, well, we got a groan out of you anyway.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If Reese what gives you nothing else, he'll give you a groan. Yeah. exactly. I just wanted to mention one more thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It was interesting that Pete Davidson wasn't uh, there for the night because he's often the uh, character that uh, Andrew Dismukes is stepping in to do. Now uh, he, uh, he doesn't do a whole lot for it. You know, he's mostly just there to take it all in, but he's still on the cast and, you know, we've seen regular sketches where people like, for example, you know, when Will Forte left the cast, uh, you know, tear and kill him started putting on the glasses and, and being the announcer for what's up with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, we've seen that before, but it's interesting when you're still on the cast and somebody is now uh, filling in for your recurring role. Uh, I guess he's keeping people safe from Kanye by not being in, uh, in the building. But uh, <laughs> if I did more research, I'd probably know what he was up to and why he wasn't uh, what, there that night. But I just thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think he's off shooting something, but I would have expected him to fly home for Mulaney's outing. Cause yeah, especially little...
1: for Mulaney,
2: knowing how close they yeah. are.
0: Right. Yeah. So the inside baseball is when Pete was going through a rough patch a few years ago, Mulaney was kind of his mentor because he yeah. understood, you know, some, some of those same issues that Pete struggles with. So they did some touring together. Uh, I think they, I think they toured with Judd Apatow for a little while. And, and it was just like, it was just like touring therapy for Pete and Mulaney was just like this big brother figure. And, yep. and it was like how, how wholesome and wonderful that, that that community could kind of rise the occasion for Pete. And uh, I just, I did not expect a, a Mulaney outing where Pete wasn't in the building, but Hey, it, it is what it is. He could be like, you know, in Australia somewhere shooting something. And there's <laughs> yeah. just no way I, you know, you don't, you don't know what, what the constraints are, but I was surprised for what it's worth. Yeah. They, they I did, guess Pete's- uh,
2: they did a feature on uh, Update uh, years ago uh, about the mentorship. Yes. Uh, and, and Mulaney and was there,
0: right? Like they tagged him. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: M- Mulaney like, showed up on the thing. So I was like, oh, great. They're going to do a thing now where uh, Pete Davidson's going to mentor sure. uh, uh, Mulaney. That, that'll be right. the, the joke. And uh, I was yeah.
0: it wasn't be. meant to be.
1: Yeah. Yep. I, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood has another movie out that they could totally yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure.
2: It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's all synergy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs>
0: If you want to see our full sketch by sketch review, search for SNL After party on Patreon or Subscribestar.com. We want to, we want to get into our ratings and reviews. Okay. Okay.
1: Steve moment of the night. Ooh, moment of the night. You know, you could go with like a more somber moment, maybe when the camera tilts and you see that it actually spells Kiev on the, uh, on the, on the candles. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you want to go for a comedian, comedic one, you know, you have some great visual gags, uh, from the COVID conversation sketch. I and mean, what I keep thinking about is that little elevator that they built for Kate's head. <laughs> um, and if not for that, then it's another great costume, uh, move for Kate, uh, when she played the puddle. There's, mm. uh, you know, there's so much, but if I had to choose, uh, I think I, I think I want to give it to, to John Mulaney for making a uh, a joke about Dan Aykroyd vodka. <laughs> <laughs> that um, was that was pretty. It's, classic. it's not
0: the Tracy. It's not the Tracy Morgan. What is it? Aquarium water. That's, yeah, uh, that's yeah, yeah, It's <laughs> the yeah. Dan Aykroyd vodka. <laughs> Which fun fact? Since we're it's Canadian night on the SNL podcast, um, made in Chatham, Ontario, about like I don't know half an hour down the road from where I'm at. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and Dan Aykroyd hails from Ottawa and is often kicking around these parts. Um he's actually a surprisingly easy guy to track down if if ever anyone wanted to talk to him. He is you know, he's he's just kind of living his life out here in Ontario these days. Uh okay. so you know, for for what it's worth, uh Dan Aykroyd vodka. It's made uh it's made my backyard.
1: A gentleman lady is an admitted fan.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we we got we got a moment of the night from you. How about you, Casey? Uh,
2: moment of the night—that's difficult. Uh, I almost want to say Conan doing the drinky drinky because again, it's something that uh, that I love. That the as a comedy fan, I'm on the outside looking in the window, and I love that the kind of brotherhood of comedy, and I love seeing seeing that. I love seeing it be so low stakes for these incredibly rich, incredibly successful, talented people who have nothing to prove. They can stand on the stage at SNL and completely flub a line and just be like, I don't care, I'm very rich. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's that kind of like flippant malaise that I enjoy so much uh, on that stage specifically. So I want to say that. Uh, there's a line though in the musical when uh, A.D. Bryant's uh, Beer Hat Jesus comes out. Uh, and uh, hold on, let me see if I can find the line. Um, uh, yes, he says, uh, uh, Jesus Christ wearing Crocs. Why does she have a spider in a box? <laughs> and Man, I was like, yep, that got me. So I think that line might be my uh, moment of the night.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to give it to the moment in Melanie's monologue where he reassured me that he hasn't missed a beat. He uh, he brings his whole first story back around. Here's the stinger. I turned an innocent man into a drug dealer as opposed to drug dealers turning innocent people into drug addicts. Um, what a just fun notion to tack down in your mind and craft a whole piece around and then have such a, just a an elegant way to put a bow on it. It just said to me, oh, look, John Mulaney, He's John Mulaney. He's still John Mulaney. He's still doing his thing. And uh, I'm eating it up. That's what set the night off right for me. And uh, it didn't disappoint from thereafter. So uh, that's got to be my moment.
1: Yeah. He, he puts his thesis on the end of his jokes at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is quite the opposite of what a lot of comics do. Sometimes they'll give you that, you know, elevator pitch version of their joke and then expand. But to like guide your audience to that, uh, to that one line that sums it all up and make them say, "Huh, yeah. Everything you just told me basically <laughs> supports that, uh, that notion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's classic millennia right there.
0: Yeah. It's just well-crafted stand up. It just shows that he's on top of his game and uh, I like it when I see it. Now, best sketch Casey, what do you got?
2: Uh, Monkey judge. Yeah. Hands down. Monkey Fair judge enough. is the best sketch. It, it had everything. It was perfectly executed. Best sketch.
0: Yep, what do you got, Steve?
1: Uh that is hard to uh go against, you know. Uh this was the most fun, the most cleverly written, and uh yeah, it was just a perfect vehicle to uh to cater to John Mullaney's style of line delivery. I can't think of a better uh character for, for this host to play.
0: Absolutely.
1: Everybody yep. involved was great too. So yeah, you gotta love this.
0: Yeah, no, it was an excellent sketch. Great idea, perfectly realized, and uh, beautiful performances all around. And Mulaney just, yeah, he struck the exact right tone for that character. It is my best sketch as well. There's no contest. Uh, That is one that people will revisit. Like that, that's, that is a a high watermark. I think maybe for this season, it's certainly one of the best. Um, But we don't need to dwell on it. Let's uh, talk about our MVP. Uh, Steve, what do you got?
1: MVP. You know what I'm going to say. It's John Mulaney. Uh, <laughs> he is like a very highly magnetic force. And, you know, he, he goes into the metallic fluid pool that is, uh, SNL and they just start dancing. You know, that there is definitely a gravitational pull to that man in, in this setting. Mm-hmm. And this whole show just seems to form around him and you get one of the most undeniably, uh, uh, Signature styles of an SNL episode. For all the things that are similar from week to week, there's so much here that's just you know you would only expect from a Mulaney episode. And yeah, what, what are you going to do? Pick someone else? I dare you. Go ahead, <laughs> right, you Casey, I dare you. What do you got?
2: Uh, I I am just going to buckle under the pressure. Uh, it, but
1: it is <laughs> sure.
2: <you laughs> it's absolutely Mullaney. I mean. He brings. He's one of those people. He's like Odenkirk to me, or Conan. You know, mm-hmm. he's one of those people who so much. There's so much Saturday Night Live in their DNA. You can you can feel so much SNL coming off of them, and it makes you love them. It like it. It, it gives you. It's just like you said that gravitational pull. It, it, it's. It, but at the same time, they are absolutely their own definable brand their own definable type of uh, uh, of comedy and of what they do uh
0: mm-hmm.
2: and mulaney brought that in full force to this episode like he brought he swept in with his you know nonchalant like eh, whatever i'm one of the funniest <laughs> people i'm one of the best voices of comedy uh and, and he brought that and he just allows you but he 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 brings you into experience that he doesn't just show you the, you know, like the, like there are, are comedians who are very closed off. They're very, I'm very funny. I'm, I'm in this little glass case. Uh, uh, you know, I'm unapproachable. I feel like his thing is very approachable and, and it makes him all the more endearing.
0: Okay. Boom. Yeah. Very now good. I think there could be a case to be made for Keenan and Cecily. I think they both did some, great I was going to say
2: Cecily, but
0: yeah. it's more, but Yeah, you guys are right. And uh, there's no way to not land on Mulaney. Um, There's a fun documentary. I can't remember if it was uh, James Franco's or a different one, but there was a little peek in on Mulaney and Hader, I think just on writer's night, like working overnight in a little box office on the 17th floor. And I remember just being awestruck at how easily they could play off each other and build on each other's ideas and pull in so much um like cultural or media references it's like they'd seen every movie ever made every musical ever made and it it just like it informed their ability to on the fly in the moment lob each other brilliant little things to bat around and and explore and build on and i just remember thinking oh you know what that's that's what makes these sketches. It's not just someone toiling away and in front of their computer, like a single minded approach. It's when you get people that can just collaborate and energize each other and bring the best out of each other and find those fun little ideas and just goof on it till it turns into something. And I have no reason to assume that I know what goes on on the 17th floor when Mulaney's there, but I feel like he must still want to be there on writer's night just to give as much of his, magic to the show as his he can yes. and I think that's why you get so much specificity in these these sketches and just so much that capitalizes on his presence and his voice I think it's because he wants to be there and he's making sure he's inserted into that process and giving everyone what he can I think he's very generous that way um, and so because of that you can't make an argument for anyone else when Mulaney's there unless the show is like a total stinker for some reason and he's never turned in a bad show there's just no one else you can go with so uh, yeah Mulaney for me too all right, big question, guys. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? Casey? Great. Beautiful. Great well
2: episode. It, it could be a classic, but it didn't have, I don't think it had a definitive classic sketch. Monkey Judge is gorgeous comedy, and uh, I will revisit it. But but yeah, I feel comfortable
1: with great. Okay, Steve? Yeah, great sounds good. <laughs> Does good sound great? Stay tuned. Uh I think that's appropriate. I was uh looking for a reason to just let me bump it up, but I don't think there's anything that stands out. Um you know, we're we're still in the COVID area, like I said, uh, you know, and and all that stuff I said about this being a new sub era of COVID, uh, yeah, that would be like the strongest argument I would have to, to say that this is culturally relevant enough to get that extra stamp of classic approval. Uh, it, it, it's just not enough to merit that. So, we is too weak an argument. So, uh, great is, I think, where this should be. And, uh, yeah, you know how rare it is to get a classic out of any of us that that do this show. So, Hey man, it's like, it's like a Michelin star, right? You know, if if your restaurant gets one, even just one, you're, you're you're still going to be proud of it.
0: Sure. I think Mulaney is a classic host and I mean, he's a five timer now. Like I I think, I think the world agrees that Mulaney is, is in the pantheon of, of great hosts now. Um, But that said, the thing that keeps this from being great is that they didn't break new ground. His first outing could be qualified as classic because you just you saw so much stuff that you just don't see week over week on SNL that he was really responsible for crafting like Diner Lobster or uh, uh, the 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 TV show from the 80s. Switch oh my room. god,
2: that is a gorgeous <laughs> sketch. That's Isn't I think it? my favorite sketch from that from that episode. Yeah, and the fact that the, the little boy in the sitcom is Andy Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. So yes. that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff, when you, when you, when you get it for the first time and it just really hits you, um, th- that makes for a classic episode tonight was Mulaney's greatest hits. It was just yeah. kind of welcome back Mulaney and a greatest hit show just isn't enough to get it over the top, but it was the most even Mulaney show. And it, yeah. you know, he was in top form. So there was so much to like about this, but it it didn't break new ground. And for that. Yeah. It can only be great, so I think we're all in lockstep on this, guys.
1: I don't remember what we gave John Mulaney's first episode, but I just realized sometimes you know uh, episodes can retroactively earn sure. a classic rating. You know, five uh, once
0: you see where it actually ends up in our cultural fabric. Yeah. So do you do you think if you didn't give the first one a classic, it's a classic now?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I think okay. for for what uh, you know what kind of stamp and and the sheer frequency of him hosting you know it's it's reminiscent of like the 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 bucks and the uh the carlins and and the people that just hosted uh like almost a couple of times per season uh
0: yeah well maybe not the carlins but the buck henry's for sure
1: yeah 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 i i spaced on examples but they're out there (laughs) Uh,
0: well there's steve martin that right. one could have come to mind <laughs>
1: Shut up. there's Alec Baldwin okay I know something uh, but yeah if if we could look back and, and know that was the start of something like that uh, right. that would definitely be where we would put a, a classic if we're talking about millennia episodes only
0: right You'd, it wasn't necessarily obvious that he planted his flag on that first episode and he was going to be you know the next go to guy for the show to mine as like a five timer especially in the course of like five years that's that is a feat so, uh, yeah, no, that's all, all well put Casey. Do you have any other final brilliant thoughts on this show that you just, you, you want our audience to mull over?
2: Uh, no, I try not to have brilliant thoughts about the show, <laughs> uh, because it, it, it's one of those things for me <laughs> that I, I, I refuse to let it become anything other than a joy. I know a lot about, uh, you know, about SNL. I read uh, Tom Shale's book and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I do need to know those things. I, I do need to know the little behind this. I, I need to know how much coke was being done uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, in, and in whose office. Uh, but, uh, but I'll never let it be uh, anything other than an absolute joy. So I don't watch the show with my little critics hat on. Uh, I watch it with my little ten-year-old dork, uh, a comedy dork hat on, uh, and and it works every time.
1: Wonderful. <laughs> I wonder what that. I just like. said
2: a billion words to say absolutely nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you this... conveyed your enduring love of the show, and that's all you needed. I
2: think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. You no, I think well that's. A,
0: <laughs> I I think uh, we'll give you the final word on that, Casey. I think that's a, a great place to leave it tonight. But before we go, um, we need to like get the word out about what you're up to, where people can find you. If anyone wants to collab, what, uh, what would you like people to know about, you know, where they can find your stuff online or learn more about you? Uh,
2: well, you can find, uh, my stuff. I do a lot of, uh, themes for, um, for podcasts and things like that. I actually did the, uh, the theme for Jamie do's, uh, um, uh, Saturday night live podcast. Right. Yeah. um, yeah, so check me out at Casey Lyons Productions.com. That's my uh, uh, official site. Otherwise, CLP Beats on Twitter. Uh, but that's just a lot of inane jokes that didn't need to be made. That's my whole Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Those are on some Twitter. of my
1: favorite jokes on Twitter. I'll have you know.
2: <laughs> the, the, the horribly inane ones. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, gentlemen, I am so glad that after as many years as. as I've been batting this around like with Steve always trying to just make sure that it, you were always somewhere on our, our radar on our back burner for when we could make this happen. I'm just, I'm glad that it finally did. It's a shame that, you know, it, it, Catherine had to be offed in order to make this happen. But I, I think, Oh uh,
2: God, did you, you know, kill someone?
0: You do what you got to do. She, Look, she was a honored. Hard, she, was, she was a hard that. pass on Casey. So we had to part ways
1: look i understand we took care of her okay (laughs) yeah that's all we'll say on the matter
0: but in in all seriousness catherine will be back uh very very soon i'm assuming next week uh she's just tending to family business traveling doing something i don't know i don't pry but uh uh she's she's going to be back to cover who we got we got oscar isaac next week right yeah i believe so Yes. And Charlie XCX is the musical guest. So, uh, for all the Catherine fans out there, she is still part of the show. Uh, you won't have to endure another John hosted episode for the foreseeable future. Um, so hopefully that's, uh, that's good news. And, uh, with that, I think we'll call it a night. Thanks to Steve Finn and Casey Lyons. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Oscar Isaac and musical guest Charlie XCX. But until then, this has been episode number 154 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. and Have a pleasant tomorrow.